0: D20 Radio, your game 20
1: You're listening to Shared Sagas, an Australian RPG actual play podcast. This podcast features adult language and adult themes. Listener discretion is advised.
2: Greetings and welcome to Shared Sagas. This is going to be a very special episode. This is our campaign post-mortem for our Waterdeep Dragon Heist campaign. The first campaign that we did as a podcast. It has come to an end. Let's talk about it. Big fat spoiler warning on this. We are going to dissect the campaign from beginning to end. Answer all questions. each other talk about it from top to bottom so i mean obviously if you have not finished listening to all the regular episodes of dragon heist uh please do so first this is your final warning it'll be be spoiled my name is tom i'll be your friendly moderator as per usual for this episode today let's go around and see who we have here hi i'm ben i used to play lyle hedgehog (laughs) used to (laughs) <laughs> Still fresh?
0: Yeah We should probably preface that this is uh, sometime after we actually finished playing the campaign So mm. if, if our memory
2: lags, please bear with us It's, a, it's, it's a not minute. like there's a recorded medium where we could refresh our memories <laughs> I
0: hate listening to the sound <laughs> of my own voice, I'm not going to go back and listen oh to God, the same. podcast
3: my <laughs> same
0: uh, My name is Mark and I used to play Hurst, the half-orc druid Fantastic My name is Nick and confusingly I played Nick <laughs>
1: <laughs> Great Hi, I'm Sam, I played Izzy. Yes. Hi, I'm Nadia and I played Jez, the half-elf rogue.
2: Fantastic. So the first thing that I really wanted to go through was uh, credit and shout outs because there are a lot of a lot of sources that, that require it. So I did not run this adventure straight. I did not run it just exactly out of the book. I used a lot of really, really great resources that I cannot take credit for. I did add quite a few things myself, but for the most part, I really borrowed very, very heavily from one source in particular, which is the Alexandrian. So the Alexandrian is a fantastic website. It actually got the the silver any last year for um, best online content. And it really, I think it deserved the gold. It's it's just, it's really, really great. Just now Alexander runs that website. If you're looking for just absolute academic level uh, columns and advice and gaming uh blog it isn't just like oh i have a little blog about this it's like a a three-part sort of borderline academic paper mm-hmm. on investigation games and how to run them etc etc if you're looking for a really really great thing his alexandrian remix of what dragon Eyes is what i stole a lot of things from because as I'll, as i'll talk about when we go through it Waterdeep Dragon Heist is a really, really great campaign that has a few things that people find tricky to deal with and can could stand from and did stand from other people coming along later and, you know, adding some improvements and so forth, as I'm sure any published module could probably benefit from, right? But this, in, in particular, there's been some really great work done right? and his Alexandrian remix, definitely check that out. I also watched a couple of streams of other people yeah, better than me running this all the way through uh, the two in particular that I borrowed some ideas from meaning I stole from would be obviously the main one you know Chris Perkins and Dice Camera Action they did their their run through there's a few things I took from that like making Jarl Axel French and, <laughs> and basically Pepe Le Pew because I just I remember watching it being like huh, okay why not <laughs> it's, which tend to work out well so that was a fun little thing uh, but also just lots of little descriptions of stuff you know it's really always really fun fascinating to see one or two people run an adventure that you're going to run and then just try and do it yourself we live in an age now where you can do that you can get almost any big published adventure and see oh I don't know the writer or creator of that adventure running it and it's amazing so the other one is the actual Roll20 Presents channel on the running through uh, on the official Dungeons and Dragons YouTube channel Adam Koble, one, yeah. one of the creators of Dungeon World and very notable these days for being the uh, the, the main GM on uh, Roll20 Presents uh, that have a a really, really great run-through of Dragon Heist. And so I took a lot of ideas from that one in particular I can call out straight away is the gigantic toad in Trollskull Chol- Chol- hey. Manor oh great yeah so you have <laughs> Adam Crowell to thank for that Ben uh, for sure. uh, I, thought, I don't actually go. know where his Twitter is I can I'll go thank him personally <laughs> to his face oh yes <laughs> uh, and as is the case these days with pretty much any big adventure that's published by Wizards of the Coast the DMs Guild has got so many great resources that the amazing fans go on and just you know remaster this and add in all this extra stuff there invaluable resource I'm not going to list them all because there's quite a few but I'm going to have them uh, as links in the show notes so if you're curious about what extra resources and books that I use from the DMs Guild to augment your experience with Dragon Heist then uh, yeah check the show notes uh, or just you know do a google search on DMs Guild for Waterdeep Dragon Heist or actually really any other published adventure It was the same thing for all of them Ravenloft, Tomb of Annihilation they're all they all have great stuff so let's begin with your initial thoughts. I wanna hear from each of you, really, or anyone that wants to, you know, go through and explain what, what was your, what was your expectation coming into this? Like, what did you think? When I when I gave you the pitch of Dragon Heist, what, what did you think it'd be like as opposed to how it turned out? You know, any, any thoughts at all, anyone?
1: I was really excited to be playing a game in Waterdeep again, because Waterdeep is just such a beautiful, location and an urban situation to explore so i was just really excited to kind of meet all of the people and do all of the side quests and all that kind of thing that's just kind of how i operate in video games and i'm excited when i know something of a of a setting before i uh, and a location before i go and play it in a game which i knew a little bit about water deep but not a lot so i was really excited and that was the most kind of that was the thing that i was looking forward to the most which paid off quite well
2: <laughs> awesome that's great sam
1: yeah
3: i um a is actually quite new to me i'm a newcomer
2: nice so you, do, so um. you, you haven't read 50 forgotten realms novels no no
3: i haven't Get out. <laughs> oh yeah. ow my heart no, no. um so kind of um because i'd heard of like i I'd basically heard of the characters like jalaxel sure kind of Peripherally, because right. I hadn't yeah. read the books, no, no. and so basically, whenever Izzy responds with something, it responds to something in a confused kind of way, like I don't, it's very genuine because like <laughs> yeah. I have no idea who this person is. Yeah,
2: as, a, as, but, as, a, as a, I, was, yeah. I, yeah, I was explaining to some listeners uh, on the Discord that basically. Uh, it's really fun to run this particular game for you all because half of you are very, very familiar with Forgotten mm. Realms and all the characters and stuff like that. I mean, Mark and Ben in particular, you know, you've read as many of the novels as I have. You're familiar with them all. And you three are just like, J- 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 yeah. what? What's, what's a black stuff? You know, <laughs> He has
3: a sweet <laughs> hat.
2: <laughs> what's a black Blackstaff? Is that like Dresden? You know, it's Yeah, yeah. A... yeah. And so Nick, do you, you have any expectations? You've played in Forgotten Realms before. We've run many easy yeah, really- games, but games, but you, you haven't really encountered of many of the big notable characters or anything like that. And despite my reasonable recall
4: of fantasy series and things that I don't even think I know, yeah. uh, a lot of Dungeons & Dragons remains quite obscure to me. Uh, mm. For whatever reason, the places... I kind of, You'll often hear me say, oh, is this the same world that we played with the Necromancer in? Hang on, is this the same world? For some reason, it just doesn't stick in my head. So right, nice right. And, will often be on point with, like, what type of monster it is or whatever. Yeah. It just... Uh, the whole setting stays very... Mo- so I had no... deep. I know it's a place, yeah. maybe a game made about it. Or was that... Board yeah. Board?
3: yeah. Is that some sort of heist involved? Oh, no, Waterdeep
4: I- is the board game that I've played. With that's that, true. For example. Yeah. There we go. I know it's a place. I have no strong feelings about it one way or another. I certainly don't recognise the characters. No, no, that's cool. Um, I generally, I must say, like, coming off of an urban... I don't mind urban adventures, but the mm-hmm. idea of a heist wasn't particularly thrilling to me at the outset. It's like, sure. A heist. Okay. I prefer my fantasy, I think, you know, Saga of Seven Shields, you know, here's an enemy, they have lots of lieutenants Use sort of almost video game style got to work your way through. More of the, epic, uh, the epic... I prefer sword. the epic sway of things, and quite tied to that is also I don't care too much for lower level characters. Sure. I, I prefer I prefer progression. This idea that your character will grow, I guess stats-wise, I'm quite a powerful individual and power gamer in that way, but yeah. I enjoyed it
2: all the same. Great, that's awesome.
3: Yeah, I think that was another thing about this particular campaign uh-huh. was because it, we didn't just go into the high straight up. It was like no. a, it was a very, we were like we're establishing ties, establishing roots in the city, and you know this big, grand, ad, grand urban adventure puzzle <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. You know, it wasn't immediately just you know go in, case the joint, point out all weaknesses, go in, get it. Escape.
2: Yeah, that, that's true. And honestly, that is one of the main criticisms with uh, the just the general published version of Waterdeep Dragon Heist, is that uh. by default, and look, people will argue about the terminology here, there isn't actually a heist. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh. or, or rather, they. Uh, so the arguments against that are, well, the heist references Dargold never and but taking the gold in the first place. Mm. Or the heist refers to you going into the vault at the very end, and taking the gold but that's that's a dungeon crawl sort of that's heist, not a heist yeah. I mean I, yeah I, I, okay if, if that is a heist then so is 90% of other dungeon adventures in Dungeons and Dragons you know if you if you put it in the title if you put it in the name you expect a bit of an extra Ocean's Eleven style setup yeah. right like that's what I expected what most people did and so one of the things that the remix does uh, with the uh, Stone of Galore having the eyes and stuff like that is to actually very firmly put a heist or two or three, however many you want, into the game. Mm. Uh, I went with one because I, I thought that's enough. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I thought yeah. those to be water dragon heists. Exactly, and then once again, I'd be I'd be a hypocrite. Mark, what, what were your thoughts coming
0: in? Um. So yeah, like as you said, I've I've read a lot of the Forgotten Realms stuff. Like I was reading Dungeons and Dragons Forgotten Realms books. Way Wait, before in, you played Dungeons yeah. and Dragons? Oh yeah, like back <laughs> yeah. in high school, man. Yeah. Like. <laughs> It was so, it was really cool to be able to like play in the space and like to have Hurst sort of uh, when uh, Joe Axel was pretending to be um, Drizzt. Drizzt. Yeah, to have like that was one part for it. Like a little bit for me, it was hard for me to separate yeah. player knowledge and character <laughs> knowledge, which isn't is usually a problem for me. No, it's not. But like, it's sort of I was on the fly uh, reconciled that by being like. Hurst would be a drizz kind of fanboy.
2: Yeah, right. Because you both you're both uh, belonging to species that are maligned by yeah. the generic elves and dwarves of the setting. You uh, are both well. He's a ranger. You're a druid. You know. You probably feel a bit of a kinship there. So yeah, yeah. so
0: But like, there's a yeah. So I was like, oh, that's really you know. But yeah, getting a chance to uh, sort of interact with these characters that have seen and see the world as it is. Now in fifth edition, whereas like back when I started reading these books, it was third edition, different people were doing different things. Different yeah, were so like it's really interesting to see that. And uh, out of all the sort of campaigns that we've played, we usually maybe start off in a small town, yeah, and then like move to a city, and that city is like our base of operations, but we keep going and coming, and just having a chance to stay in this place and build up these connections with people. Mm. And, like, really give ourselves a chance to, like, flex our sort of role-playing muscles. Yeah, definitely. As a, as Which, a,
2: you all did so well, by the way. <laughs> you you all brought your A-game for this one. It was really amazing. All the compliments that I hear from our surprising number of listeners. I mean, I, we can talk about it. Uh, surprising success of the cast so far, but man, we have more people listening than I thought we we ever would, even a couple of years in, let alone less than six months. But you, all the feedback I get is, oh, the characters are so great. You, you all role play so well. You know, you don't break character. You, you know, make some really great decisions and stuff like that. So yeah, really great stuff. And Ben, what were your thoughts coming in? You were more familiar with the module conceptually than anyone I think in the mm-hmm. sense that you do you do you own it or? I do not no no
5: okay but I was there when you and I paid a visit to Vault Games to yes Vault Games oh yes and we were thinking about uh, what the module that we were going to run with yes and I think it came down between uh, Dragon Heist and uh, the uh, Rise of Tiamat
2: Yes, that's right. Yeah, very, very different. But uh, yeah, we thought we'd start with this one. It's a bit unusual, and I thought I thought it would, uh, because it, it is more role-play heavy than a lot of the other ones are. Uh, Curse of Strahd definitely is. We've, we've already played that, unfortunately. So the, no, the it was definitely a good choice, I think. To I agree. Particularly for a first one. And I'm
5: very much the opposite of Nick. I love heists, and the an <laughs> opportunity to actually play in a heist for me is a welcome thing. Great. It's a very tricky genre. To get right, especially in a roleplay game, because a heist itself in movie or what have you is a very formulaic uh, type of approach. Yeah. Whereas there's a lot more things that can go wrong, and you're having to improvise a lot more in a roleplay setting. Right. But if you take a look at most heist uh, films, invariably what happens is that the characters, the lead characters, are smart enough to get to a certain point, and then usually by dint of someone else, their antagonist, being smarter, mm-hmm. will uh, come up with something that throws their plan out of whack and then they have the opportunity to outsmart them. So it's really just a, a series of brinksmanship.
2: Yeah, that's very true. it, And Which, it, which in fact, is, off. It, it is kind of almost exactly how it panned out with you all as well, frankly. So that, that all sort of worked out pretty good. Um, so that's so yeah, that's expectations as opposed to how they all how they all turn out. Let's talk about your characters. So uh-huh. I, I'd like to go around because honestly, <laughs> your characters are the real stars here. You're what everyone goes on about. Everyone's got their favourite, but uh, I'd like to throw it open to uh, to Nadia first of all. Uh, Jez, why, why a rogue? Why a half-elf? Why Jez in particular? Why Nick? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to him. The player or the character. Or both?
1: I've been asking that question for the last 10 years. Oh. Why Nick? Um, so, I think with this being our first aired game and campaign, I just wanted to do something that was kind of really in my comfort zone. I generally have played, like I've played half-elf characters, I've played rogues, I've probably played a lot of half-elf rogues. <laughs> um, so it's just something that I felt comfortable with in playing mechanically, and the character that I created was something not that I'd necessarily done outright before, but is something that I knew I could have a lot of fun with.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great. So, I mean, knowing that it was the first campaign of the podcast, you wanted to put your best foot forward and be something that wasn't going to break the wheel too much, yeah. just something that's uncomfortable. I think
1: kind of what was most important for for me, from my perspective, that we highlight as a group is that, and it, obviously different, different groups have different styles and everything, but sometimes what tends to happen is that there's the role playing occurs just between... The player character and the GM, mm. and then it's just basically person A talking to GM, person B talking to GM. What I really wanted to have is fostering some role play between the the player characters themselves. So having that relationship being um, Nick's sister um, and the different kinds of friendships I had with all of the the characters. In that, I think that was important because that's where to me that's where a lot of the fun of the role playing is as much as much fun as it is you know just role playing with with you as the gm i want it to be collaborative storytelling and i want it to be about relationships and drama um you know even with a format like D, that's a little bit more trad so i think i think that we did that really well
2: i, I agree I definitely and i'd so. like to
1: do that more as well like the kind of setup that we had going into it with Nick and I knowing that we were brother and sister and kind of somewhat of our family background mm. and weaving people together like that I kind of want to see us do that more
3: with Next Games as well yeah yeah it was really good to because um, I've gotten a bit of feedback as well <laughs> just you and Nick have really good banter
2: with each other. Hashtag good banter. Good, good dance.
3: Dance. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you have really so good. much practice.
4: <laughs> yes.
3: Acting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but no, that's great. So Izzy, Izzy, now you, Sam, you like your spellcasters. I do. That's I do. true. So there's a yes. no, bit of a no-brainer there. Once again, do you think, because you knew it was the first one for the podcast, you wanted to play a class you were very familiar with. Um, I'm, I'm being a wizard. I'm not going to be a dragonborn...
3: To be fair, actually, like I do play spellcasters, wizard, especially for the uh, for oh for fifth ed.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I'm a little unfamiliar with because oh, I okay. actually started off in
2: three point five. And you're more of a sorcerer player then, is yeah, it? Right? sort okay. of,
3: kind of, it kind of because I, with Izzy, I wanted to make them the kind of weird, quirky one. Nice. It, yeah. It's it's so when Nadia went with something comfortable. For for the first campaign, I went with something completely opposite. I tend to play the very feminine kind of character. Yeah, and and Izzy, Izzy
2: being a gender was a really was a really good move, I think. Yeah, that's right.
3: Because I I didn't want Izzy's gender to be a thing. No,
2: that which which is it's, which is it's, perfect.
3: Yeah, it's more the actions of the character than you know what labels you put on the character. Exactly right. But um, but yeah, I very much wanted Izzy to be the weird kind of...
2: Mysterious. Oh,
3: God, no. No, I'm not mysterious. I'm talking like... The kind of Mm -hmm. person that, like, I think I remember in the first episode, it's like, how do people meet Izzy? well, they got themselves stuck in a badger war
2: trying to find spell components. That's right. And they blew up. Just... <laughs> so Izzy, Izzy perpetually has a wah, 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 sound effect following <laughs> him around, basically. That's great. Someone, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. No, it was really great. And a lot of people, a lot of people respond very, very well to Izzy. Oh, indeed. Thank you.
1: I would just like to take this moment to acknowledge uh, and appreciate how well Izzy blows shit up. <laughs> And I will miss that. <laughs> Cause,
2: it's, cause, it's, Cause it's good. What I love is the is the uh, contrast between Izzy being a walking artillery um, yeah. section, but also being the academic. Because you, you were the scholar uh, archetype, <laughs> right? So you had like In whole... a
3: very, very loose sense of the word. <laughs> that's,
2: yeah, that, that's great. And Nick, uh, why a half-elf rogue? Why a rogue? The opposite of
4: Nadia. Yeah. Uh, and that wasn't a character thing. I have never played a rogue before. No. And I generally have disdain for well, I don't play dwarves and elves very much. For whatever reason, I just don't, I'll, as you will confirm, yeah. I mostly play human. I play tieflings and dragonborn and goblins and things. Mm-hmm. And if I can't play them, I play a human. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't know what it is. So I thought, as I say directly opposite Nadia rather than go something uncomfortable with we'll do mm-hmm. something completely different if it's going to be a shorter urban campaign this might be a good time to try out two things that I don't usually do which yeah. is Rogue who I've never played glass cannons aren't exactly my favourite yeah. and uh, we went half elves because it was a good mix between we could both agree on that
2: Yeah.
4: Uh, as for the, the twin thing was interesting because I remember we actually were here it was an evening event or something We went on a walk to Coles, Just down like two minutes down the road And we developed the entire Nick and Jez thing Just on the walk there and the walk back mm-hmm. And the family tree And we came back and we're like Tom, we've got it for you This is this is what we're doing
2: Because over half of our audience is American I'm going to say that Coles is our supermarkets chain so, it's Like Tesco So, was oh, oh, like Tesco like, Is it Walmart? What, what's American No, Walmart's no, no today? They're, they're Walmart have, well, An equivalent of Walmart
1: don't you? Right, it's, it's a grocery store. We have a
4: grocery store. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's yeah. Just, just down the road. We discussed, we basically riddled it out, knotted these things out. You know, we were both thieves, and that one of us was going to be more aristocratic. We had this idea that I'd been to, Nick had been sent off to a school, and he sort of resented Jez that she got to stay with the family, but Jez resented Nick because he'd been sent off to school, whereas yeah. she felt that. And we built this whole thing and came back with it. Uh, uh,
2: and full credit behind the curtain, I can take no credit for the whole concept of your, of the NPCs that you gave me. So grandma Locke was not my invention. It was yours. She was yours. And your parents, likewise, were described by yourself. I
0: hopefully did a good job portraying Grandma them.
1: Locke was just MVP. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, <laughs>
0: totally. <laughs> just MVP. Just like that, like by that last little bit, before the house, where it's like, well, we need to give this to grandma Locke for safekeeping. What? Open the door to the secret hideout. You're just like, she's there. We all know. <laughs> 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 like, didn't even look, you know. Uh, Hearst. So Hearst, people love Hearst. Uh, Oh, Hurst. T- talk me about Hurst. <laughs> um. So I, I spend a lot of time creating characters. Like, yeah. even we get to about a halfway point in campaigns, and my ADHD brain's like, oh, I wonder what the character I could play next. <laughs> yes. So my character creation is always like, player. A- at least a class that I haven't played before. Yeah. Have you ever played a druid? No. No. There we go. Yeah. So, so I've, I've, I've essentially been working my way through, like through different campaigns that you've run mm. before we started this podcast. Uh, I've been working my way through essentially the Player's Handbook of classes to the point where now the only classes I haven't played at least a little bit are um, wizard and bard. Wow, okay. So, like, I have this just... And I create stories for these characters. And there was a point at my... uh, Maybe a year or two ago, someone mentioned the possibility of doing, like, some sort of urban evil characters campaign as, like, a one-shot between big campaigns. And I came up with an idea for this half-orc druid Mm. who was sort of an urban bounty hunter, sort of, like, small-time gang leader. Yeah. Like, just him and a couple of mates kind of thing. That's cool. And so when we were coming up with uh, characters for this heist, I was like, well, I've got a couple of concepts in my back pocket. You know, I've got this half-orc druid, and I've got this uh, wizard concept, and I've got this bard concept. What's everyone else doing? And we sort of figured that out, and then I was like, well, okay, I'll jump and flesh out the half-orc druid. And then sort of, Hurst just developed as I played him. Mm -hmm. Like, I had this idea that he's... um, not like because especially because his charisma stat was so low. I was like, okay, he's not good in an urban setting. He's just new there. He's level one, so he's in, <laughs> really just arrived in town. Yeah, and that really developed into this dude who just he meant well and he wanted to help people, <laughs> but he couldn't do the whole conversation thing and he couldn't lie. It just it was a really hers was a really great
2: example of a character who is not good at talking but you still talked with him a lot and you role played really really well there's this weird strange thought that people have that only the person that is really really good at talking like the bard or whatnot should do most of the talking and that's actually not how it works in real life like how many groups of people do you know where the least charismatic person in that group is the one that never shuts up. Like, it's just... It's one of those... It's one of those things where, like, you know, you don't have... Don't think that you because you're playing the non-talker, right? The dumb fighter with a, with a a dumpster of charisma that you can't contribute to the role-play, either for good or for ill.
4: I guess it stems from the fact that we're playing a statist- a stats-based game. That's true. And the same way you don't get the person with the, the strength
5: yeah. to lift the boulders. Yeah. Yeah. But the other way, I mean... Uh, That's where it comes from It's not right In in the same way That a ranger or a druid In this case Particularly a druid Is usually like City Not interested Mm. I'll be waiting On the outskirts You do whatever Your city life Uh, is And then I'll Come back and You know
2: Call me in the forest When you have need Of my aid Yeah (laughs) Uh,
5: And we used to As a group Just flashing back A little bit
4: here Especially when we started playing with some of the other people many, many years ago. We had that a lot. We
2: had, we, yeah, we, we had we, the ranger or the druid that would not come out of the box. refused to
4: go into the city. We'd have <laughs> the rogue who thought they had to steal from everyone they
2: met. Yeah, it's one, one of these classic, the paladin that has to tell everyone what to do. Yeah, yeah we, had, we,
4: we went to all those before most of us evolved as role roleplayers. <laughs> you know, okay, <laughs>
0: there's subtlety and nuance to this. Ma- yes. Making interesting choices in the character. Like, Hurst not being good at talking... But he has very strong opinions on a couple of things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which meant that, like, he would pop up and say something. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: Mm.
0: Yeah, exactly right.
5: Lyle, Ben. This is going to sound quite less romantic than oh. uh, a lot of what has been put here. <laughs> so the kernel kind of the idea was, what can I do as a player to support other players to make them look good in a high scan, because that's, that's awesome. amazingly it's, romantic that's wonderful no it's really not it's, <laughs> it's a very analytical thing okay uh, but it was, but it was <laughs> for those interested nick's making the shock face
0: uh, yeah, yeah. all
5: right so those those of you who have listened probably know that um i'm a bit more of the rules lawyer type of player and it stems very much from a position of how I run my games. Mm-hmm. I very much like having a player that is familiar with the rules, and I don't often get that. In fact, uh, there's one player who I recently inducted into uh, Dungeons and Dragons, like about, I say, three years ago. She's running her own games at the moment, but she nice. made a definitive point of learning the rules for D and D, for Star Wars when we ran it, for mm-hmm. uh, Demon of the Descent, like. I would rotate through games every, like, 12 sessions or so. Sure. And she would learn elements of it, the rules. Oh,
2: kudos on learning Demon of the Descent backwards. That that is a great game, but it is complex.
5: It is as complex as hell. Anyway, um, there's value in that that I don't know anyone can appreciate until it's actually happened. Oh, yeah. And that really informed a lot of my play style to have that kind of an off, an off brain an extra brain to try and crunch things so that the GM doesn't have to be across both narrative and rules
2: and, and it's appreciated and I've always got I, I've historically always had at least one or two people in the group that are uh... As abreast of the rules as I am, and it is, is always appreciated. Uh, I don't think that you were ever malevolent with your rules lowering You was just a no, you uh, play this
5: thing. It was general. just
2: a. It was just a support. I mean, like we, we we do we do really like to play things by the book. which not every group does, and that's totally fine. There's no wrong way to play. But like you know, if you if you do like to, I think these days, if you really want to deviate from the rules too much, there are enough really really great games that probably that you can actually pick and choose. So if, if you're playing a game and you find you have to change the rules so much to fit what you want, there's probably another awesome game that will just fit it better. And so you can just move over, You know, and some that are really, really not very complex and all that kind of thing. So I think, yeah, generally speaking, House rules are amazing and, you know, always be flexible, but no, I think I think generally playing things by the rules is something awesome.
5: And the you, GM has last call anyway. Yeah. So yeah. you can always put forward the position, but you don't have to argue that it's intractable. And no. the idea too, these yeah. days, you have the internet, where if there's a flaw in the book,
2: yeah.
4: it will look it up on the internet at some point, there's a pretty good chance that mm. somewhere someone involved in the creation of the book has said, this is an error. We advise you recommend, we advise you fix it with XYZ. What
2: or even just clarification. It is yeah. clarification. And and
5: <laughs> How do these street feats actually work together?
2: Right. <laughs> like, yes, go.
5: Sorry, uh, we, we got well and truly off track on that. That's good, it's so lot. Right. <laughs> right. Yes, alright, so um, I came from a position that uh, I wanted to play a support character. In order for me to play a support character, I had to know the rules of what people were uh, playing. Yeah. And the first thought that occurred to me when I was thinking is down to either something of a, uh, a martial class mm-hmm. and I'm a big fan of monks and I was very close to going down a oh, monk yeah. way at the shadow mm-hmm. Cool, um, but I wanted to step back from that a cleric is very much a supportive character mm. but uh, I'd played or rather I'd been shoehorned into clerics in established games and ah. it's a heal battery uh, in previous editions Yep. <laughs> so I wanted to find something that could do healing but also help out uh, across a whole Swath of other things, and the trickster cleric, as maligned a class as it is uh, by those on the internet, it is like it's
2: <laughs> the power gamers. It's right yeah, out there with the, like, with the beast ranger, exactly <laughs> that.
5: Yeah, uh, did have a lot of things that would make uh, the rest of the thief people, in particular, or well, those mm. who weren't specialised in stealth, look good. I
2: think in this particular campaign, it was an excellent choice. Mm.
5: But the but the kernel of the character itself came from the idea that. Could, you know, what does a cleric of Tymora uh, look like? Hmm. And how different is faith versus luck? Yeah. Can you say that it was intended uh, because you had faith in the goddess of luck? Or can you say that you were lucky that you were uh, worshipping this particular god? And the more I thought about it, the more it occurred to me that perhaps timora doesn't necessarily just bestow luck at random, hmm. but rather looks to provide luck to those who try to make it, who put themselves into uh, these situations, but are also able to manage, to, to plan for them, who, well, make their own luck. Sorry, Sam. Gonna...
3: Tamora helps those who help themselves, essentially. A little bit, a little yeah. Bit, yeah. Okay. Exactly.
5: And yeah. so, okay. taking Trixie Cleric, Taimora, Halfling, because that also supports the uh, luck side of things. Of course. And then Urchin, because it seemed to be a strong criminal uh, background. Yeah. Meant that I could take those three things and then build a story around it, which is how we had uh, Lyle, who had been orphaned due to an unfortunate accident, yeah. which may or may not have been the result of him being in possession of his uncle's, a symbol of Timora. Well, yes. And then it, provide, it provides me with the ability to use what I know about Forgotten Realms uh, from From the Urchin's perspective and water, in particular. Right. Absolutely.
2: No, and I think he was a great support class and actually, uh, strangely enough, I don't think, in listening back and editing, I don't think that Lyle really did very much healing at all.
5: No, really not.
2: Actually, I, 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 I think I can count on one hand the number of times that you cast the spell cure wounds in combat it's true and <laughs> yeah.
5: this was all over that yeah
2: absolutely no it was really great i think i, I love the thought that everyone put in to their characters i think they're really well chosen and not just you know complimenting you all for funsies you you i really truly think that the this particular cast of characters was really where a lot of our successes come from or pretty much all of it. you you worked really really well together you know you're yeah. uh yeah, your, your interplay and the differences and the similarities and stuff it was all it was all really great stuff there so so before i open up it's just general q a because i'm sure you have a lot of what the fuck tom questions yeah. um <laughs> just just <laughs> just, to get some, just to give you to fill you in on like the differences right because this this remix that we did is rather different in some ways from the core module itself so first of all in the core module uh you are supposed to pick one villain mm-hmm. out of the four you, you know you either pick the castellanters or the xanathar or jarlaxel or the Zentarum, and you are supposed to set the game in the season that corresponds with them so for example the castellanters are summer jarlaxel is autumn etc etc and that doesn't flavor as much as you I mean, it's it's just the kinds of enemies that come up that come up to you if you do have to get to one of the villain lairs, and by the way, you don't. And that's another big thing as well, is that they, they take the time in the module to flesh out all four of these villain lairs in really great detail. But going by the book, going by the actual adventure itself, you don't necessarily have to encounter those lairs at all, period. Yes. But that's the notion of,
5: like, the core that core tried to the core, the core uh, setting tried to uh, introduce the notion of replayability. Yeah, because you're not playing yes. um, Curse of Strahd twice unless no. you're playing it with a
2: different group of characters. Yeah, that's very true. Yes, in and case, there's some there's some variation in Curse of Strahd as well with the tower re- sorry the the tower reading. Yes, uh, and I think th- the adventure I can think of historically that kicked this trend off was The Enemy Within for Warhammer fantasy roleplay, where basically it's kind of a big murder mystery situation, uh, and you pick who done it, right? And it's... I haven't played it, so I'm probably butchering this. Don't don't at me, people. Uh, so the idea is, yes, you're exactly right, but the idea is that you can replay it, and you can have a different flavor and so forth, which, I mean, I would never want to play through the same adventure, let alone the same campaign again. I guess if you're a GM running it for a different group, and you want to mix it up for yourself, you can do that, but... I mean, one of the things... I knew I'd be running this campaign once. Like, I, I would I would never want to run the same campaign twice. To me, that seems like something I would just never want to do. I'm, I'm sure there are people that would, and that's, that's totally great. There's probably good reasons to do that. Uh, particularly, like, you know, a decade-in-the-future type thing. But for me, one of the things the Alexandrian remix does is allow you to use as many of the villains or all of the villains as I ended up doing as you wish, right? Not so much Manchun. Uh, you while the whole thing is predicated on this gang war between the Xanathar and the Xantarum and you certainly encountered lots of Xantarum and you did encounter Manchu at the very end kind of through his similarity yeah, uh, yeah you can, and you can choose to have so I thought I wanted to give the option of having Laxel in there as a potential ally potential antagonist potential frenemy depending on how you responded to him, right? So your actions would dictate whether he ended up being an absolute, completely trusted ally, or whether he ended up being a complete and utter hated enemy, or anything in between. Xanadar was always gonna be a villain, and the Castle Landers just had the coolest little story to them. Out of, out of all four of them, I think the Castle Landers are probably the most interesting uh, as far as their, their motivation and their whole setup. So I thought, no, I have to have that in there. And then just came up with a way to link them a little bit to other stuff. But that's one big thing that was different. The other, the other big thing is the eyes of Galore. So in the Adventure, uh, there is no eyes of Galore. It's just the stone. Uh, but there are three keys that you need to get. And so the idea is at the end that there, and the keys can be any number of things. They can be a performance of your beardy, your beardy face, which is a dwarven ballad. <laughs> uh, or it can be a drunk elf, right? So you, it's this comical... It's more so Jez would have solved that one within. <laughs> it was more of a more of a whimsical thing where you get the stone and then you get these three keys and they can be almost anything. And, and, the, and the book suggests if you want to, you can have it be something that you know is in one of the villain's lairs. And so that's a way that you can potentially use the lairs. But... I think that the Alexandrian just makes it no no it's the eyes because the eyes can be plucked out and blinded it can, then you can sort of increase the effect of the stone as the more eyes are returned to it. it's more of a unified mm-hmm. MacGuffin that still has the three eyes and stuff like that it also allows people to know that the eyes are important so they can be fighting over an eye whereas yeah. like the, the enemies aren't going to be fighting over a rendition of your beady face I mean they could be but that'd be kind of... <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not going to... The Zentara aren't going to go to war with the Ennathar guild over a drunk elf. But they can have the one of the eyes and know that's important. And, you know, it's a bit, a bit more tied together and stuff like that. But um, there's a bunch of other little differences. Like, in the books, standardly, there's not really any reason, apart from the fact that it happens in your neighborhood, for you to respond to the fireball. Because the fireball happens, kills people, none, none are specified and then you're just supposed to in fact you're actively discouraged by from investigating by the City Watch particularly says the City Watch come in and say no don't worry about this leave this to us and apart from the like, fact you have a tavern nearby there's not really any motivation for you to do it so that's why I had to have an NPC that was basically created to die which is Agatha Brightmantle yeah. so I had to have her in there and she was to be the one that was going to be yeah, sacrificed. sacrificed. The Alexandrian recommends that. Even recommends potentially using one of the potential things that the Alexandrian offers is either Reynar or Neverember, but I wanted him to be around later on because of the other thing, which is what benevolent thing can you do with the gold? And I thought, well, I'll make Reynar a bit more of a philanthropist. Yeah. Uh, which, which he's, he's a nice guy, but he's not, he, his desire to rebuild the city, and in fact the whole war situation, having done damage to it, is something I added. Yeah. And so, because I thought it'd be, it'd be nice to have you... Actually, be able to get a big chunk of the gold, but then have something to spend it on that is you know yeah. good, goodly rather than just be like, because the problem is you're supposed to kind of more or less take it away from the characters at the end, right? Yes. Like the black staff's supposed to be like, No, it's it's ours now, thank you. Yeah, you, you can get the gold, but you can't keep it. Or maybe a little finder's fee or something, but I thought, No. You should be able to get the gold. You should, you should, you should come out ahead on this, right? Yeah. And so ha- having them ransom the city, and I, I just thought that would be a fun thing to add. Um, but enough rambling about that. There's a few other things that have changed that are less important. I remember yes. you saying it was a complete sausage fest. And so you uh, yes. gender flipped quite a few of the characters. That's something else that, that one one criticism I'll have is as far as the NPCs go. Uh, there are very, very few uh, female NPCs. Now, they do some great stuff. So, first of all, they have RV and Embrick, They have uh, in the module, a gay and married couple. That's wonderful, that's awesome stuff. Yeah. They have Farla, who of course is the agendered um potion maker. Once again, really, really great stuff. Really good ticks for, for you know progressiveness and diversity there. But the first Female NPC that you encounter in the entire adventure, going by the book, uh, putting some some side faction missions on uh, off the table, which are very optional, is the Priestess of Gond in the temple after the fire. Really? Yeah. Apart from apart from Yalgra, who starts the whole thing with the fistfight with the, Zen, uh, the Xanathar guild member yeah. Baldi, that's it. Everyone else, all the store owners, you know the potion maker, as you know the potion. Well, potion makers is ended. Yeah. You've got Arby and Embrick You've got the carpenter. You've got all most of the people in your neighborhood are all men. There's, there's 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 um your your rival tavern owner, all that kind of thing. All the characters you interact with, all the villains, they're all listed. Even the half orc female Xanathar leader in the beginning. Yep. The very first one, That's a male half-orc wizard who's the, you know, the lieutenant of that particular dungeon and stuff like that. I'm not coming down on I'm I'm simply stating that looking at it it was just like, oh, okay, there's like... You saw an opportunity. I saw an opportunity. I was like, well, you know, there's 20 20 male NPCs and one or two female. Let's just, you know, mix it up a bit. So I added in Grandma Death. I added in Agatha Brightmantle. Um, You invented Grandma Locke, so that was great. So she got to be in there as well. And yeah, so... um, Any... Questions that you had for me, behind the scenes stuff, criticisms, critiques, sort of like, what the hell's with this? Why did this happen? What was the real deal with this nonsense? Anything that anyone can remember uh, for the entire campaign? Not anything.
1: No, sorry. <laughs> no, that's, that's
2: okay. The thing is, I
1: get to have a debrief with you after almost every session because mm. we live together. So any questions that I've you know had about the whole thing have, have mm. you know, been answered throughout the course of
2: okay. this. Okay. Oh, that's totally cool. Anyone else? Nick, mm-hmm. Ben?
4: Yeah, I just bother you after sessions usually.
2: Yeah, that's, uh. that, that's true. But certain, certain big secrets I can't give away. Could
4: backwards hand kitty man
2: have ever become an enemy? Yes. I mean, very, very easily, mm. you could have attacked him. Also, backwards, once again, he is a character I completely fleshed out. His whole yeah. his whole deal, his, yeah, whole, right. his whole connection with the Castle Hunters. In the book, he's just uh, Ruxasha that runs the detective agency. Mm. And that's it. He's given a paragraph it so, seems like he's an interesting character should have had more so yeah, yeah and so I yeah I said okay well let's um, let's add something there and let's maybe try and tie it into the castle enters and have him be you know someone that you could just not kill because it's like if he was pure evil then you'd be like well what do we do we either get the, get the watch on him and get him arrested and he kills half the watch and then the black staff comes in or or um, you attacking yourself and you frankly die because a sasha is a crazy threat for a, a low level party and when you first discover him you'll be like level 2 or 3 that's nonsense so yeah i don't know so it helped to flesh out the castle a bit helps to give you oh most importantly the, the real reason i fleshed him out was so that you could have that dagger the dagger yeah it was for all me which which i made up yeah. uh, because <laughs> as tragic as it is and i and i get the idea of not everything has to have a happy ending in the book Unless you actually give the Castellanters the money to do the ritual, which also involves killing 99 people, their children's souls are damned. There's not actually a way wow. out of that without them doing the ritual. Um, so if you use the Castellanters and you find out that backstory, there's actually no way to save the kids, period. Except for doing the ritual and killing 99 99 for yeah. kids, yeah. yeah so them. I thought... Look, I want to have some way that you can do it. It also gave you a reason to to not do a heist again, yeah. but to, to to have a reason to do kind of a heist thing of breaking into a the. Of an assassination. That, yeah, yeah, that, you know, <laughs> kill yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Kill that jerk. Yeah, kill that jerk. and his life. Have a have a character that was more. I invented Mamros and Grandma Death so you could have characters you can face because like yeah. you don't really have any big boss characters in the adventure that you really should be fighting like you should not fight yeah. Xenathar you should not fight Jarl Axel. he's like CR 25 Jesus no he has a you know um, <laughs> he's, 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 he has the highest armor class I've ever seen he's got like a 25 armor class or something oh f- <laughs> at least half my characters
4: have
0: armor classes in the last right, 30s alright but for your <laughs> <Monster laughs> power game <isn't> it <laughs> yes, yes. Anyway favor, J- Jarl Axel is a, a canonical character And therefore Shouldn't probably be killed In you know, the same and way And B also Is just kind of One of those characters That's like Oh he gets away With it again You no, actually, For fuck's sake
2: what, what the book says Is if the characters Fight and kill Jarl Axel, Then um, our house Benra just has him raised Six days later And he comes back mad yeah. <laughs> so Wow he, so, so. Oh
3: Right on Because okay.
2: his sister His sister raises him Right yeah. She's a crazy high Priestess of Wolf Yeah so He's still pretty good uh, uh, He's already
0: been sacrificed at least once. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh,
2: yes. Anyone else? I have questions. I'm sure you do. <laughs> <know. laughs> For the recording, Ben has pulled out a large spreadsheet.
0: First of all, who do you think you are? And as a follow-up, what gives <laughs>
2: you the right? <laughs> <laughs> so please, please continue,
5: Ben. All right. So it's uh, so, not so quite quite so confrontational. And nothing about this really is just, you know. <laughs> um, right. Right. <laughs> all right. The first question, probably the biggest question that I have, is going to sound so like banal. Uh, what was Joe Axel's intent with the voucher for the pen shop? Oh, okay. What was, cool. the, what was the outcome if I had followed that through?
2: Um, so, so what it was going to be, I will let you know, was going to be that you, I, I wanted to have a token a particular token that belonged to Carleen. So whatever you got, it would be a gift. Yeah. I was going to have a scene. <laughs> okay, there were two narrative things I was doing with that. Number one, I was intending on having a scene where before you went in for the final heist or whatever, mm-hmm. Carleen basically came to you and said, hey, listen, don't do this. Um, how mm-hmm. about you just retire? You've made enough money so far. I make a comfortable income as an accountant i just found out you're going after the Xanathar of all things. I knew you were involved in some nonsense. Don't do it. Uh-huh. And then have like a little drama scene where if you had agreed to go ahead and still go through, she would, you know, temporarily leave you and like oh. throw, the, throw the token at you and be like, well, then I'm not going to sit around and watch you dive. And I thought, first of all, it's a little bit cliche. And secondly, it's a bit of a nagging wife trope that I didn't yeah. really want to, or yeah. a nagging female partner thing. I didn't realize until I had sort of thought it through my head. I'm like, well... No, I'm not gonna do that. Um, the other thing was going to be that if you had openly betrayed Jalaxel mm-hmm. and gone down more of the enemy route, then at the end, if he showed up, it rather than have like the kids captured, he would just have like, you know, the blood soaked pen and yeah. just be like, Yeah, I suggest you do what I tell you to, type thing. <laughs>
0: uh, oh, so
2: that or, or, or whatever it is you bought her, right? A book? I have no idea. Yeah, so not nice. a pen in this case. I think yeah. it's supposed to be a very nice pen. Yes, yeah. just... yeah, it was not gonna be a, a, a another marker thing. Okay. Because yeah, that was the first thought that occurred to me. Yeah. that it was some sort of device, but which nope, just the right. you know, yeah. just for those two little narrative beats I was thinking of. Fair enough.
3: Yeah, I remember. I remember Ben being very um,
2: paranoid about that.
3: Paranoid, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because this was this was was while we were dealing with the stop um, JPG. <laughs> <laughs> while we were dealing with the eye as well, like yeah. the, uh, the eye. On the eye
0: on.
2: The scrying eye.
3: Yeah, the scrying
2: eye. Of course, not the yeah. eyes. Oh yeah, I mean the the foundations have been laid for the paranoia. Yes. That's, oh yes. That's that's fine. Mm-hmm. Why do you do this to yourself? <laughs> Why do you do this to yourself, Tom? I do. <laughs> Please continue, Pat. You had more.
5: I do. All right. So I'll do the I'll do one for Tom. Then I'll do one for the group. So Tom. Yes. One of the seasons could be the Zentarum storyline. Yes. Zantaram weren't really as much a factor. They were f- not even really a foil. They were another means by which That we could take advantage Of the walk between them And the Xanathar Yes uh, And they were A good scapegoat uh, When we wanted To be out of trouble But Beyond um, Zendarim trying to get into Order D, I'm not entirely certain where th- how their story manifests. Is there anything uh, you can
2: on that? Yes. So so basically, the idea would be that looking at all four of them, I had a choice and I wasn't sure exactly which way it would go. And I was rolling for stuff behind the scenes to see who actually ended up with the Eye of Galorn. Uh, at the end either the Xanathar or Manshoon in, in his lair which is Colat Towers which is a very interesting lair and yeah Manshoon actually has a really interesting lair and so I was not I knew I want to have one heist not two because it would be a bit repetitive and also like I, D&D is not perfectly suited to heists is more suited to you know exploration and uh, combat and so forth so I thought oh, I want to have one heist and make it fun but I don't want to have two necessarily right particularly because the Castellanters assassination mission was kind of heist adjacent, at least. So the idea was that they were the one villain that wasn't really used at all, except except to be a foil for... The Xanathar. Um, it could have come up if it had worked out that I decided to go with the more interesting lair or the more interesting villain. I went with the more interesting villain because I, I find Xanathar infinitely more, you know, enjoyable and, and weird and fun than Man himself, who's just like a, just a really classic kind of slightly by the numbers villain type. So,
5: last question for the group: Do you think that we started off as uh, mercantile thieves, as in like we're in it to get rich? And then change to benevolent thieves, or did we always start as benevolent?
2: Ooh. Well,
4: I think, possibly speaking for the two thieves in the group, <laughs> uh, no. I and mean, we were we were always thieves. There was no real uh, question about that. I yeah. well suppose the morality that we yeah?
1: we were we were community thieves. Yeah. So we're mm-hmm. the kind of people who uh, there's a famous gangster. I don't know if it's a terrible comparison, yeah. but kind of people who would kind of give back to the community and function as a part of that community. Mm-hmm. So one of those things where crime is always going to be there, you can you know do it in a more or less ethical way and I think we chose the more ethical way most of the time. Mm-hmm. So I think at first, Especially because it was much to do with our upbringing, and it's almost like a you know we came into the family business without much of a choice. You know, it wasn't a career that we chose; it was an expectation of us. Mm.
5: Um, you didn't choose the thief life.
1: No, no, the thief <laughs> life chose us. Um, so, so there's that Very element true. there where it's kind of like, well, that's always what we do, um, and I guess we just became more and more community. Minded and doing things for the it. right reasons, yeah. yeah.
4: Like Marconi from Dresden, yeah, yeah, you know, gangster. For those who are familiar with it, you know, crime's going to exist, let's have it controlled so there's no co- no casualties outside of you know the necessary, like hmm. that. And yeah, I think absolutely. And sort of from my character's perspective, you know, I was putting on the face front, the legitimate yes. front, you know, it behooves you to you know have the community on your side so when the guards come in knocking, they're like, oh no, I don't know what you're talking about, you yeah. know, all of that. No.
1: Most organized crime have, have ties to politics and people and power mm, anyway, mm, and that's mm. kind of the only re- way that they can exist. Organized so, crime, yeah. There was always going to be a cooperative element to it. It's not like being a lone wolf thief where you're no. out picketing, picking everyone's pockets and mm. trying to get rich by yourself. It's mm. trying to uplift a whole group of, of people. And I guess we probably didn't play to showing the organization so much as we, we could have because what we were doing during this whole stint was more working with this group of people. Yeah, it would have
4: been exclusionary. Yes. But i talked before about hacking and the umber and stuff mm. because only two of us were part of it, you know. Yeah. To, to have everyone else stand around while we go about our thiefy business wouldn't have been... So we made casual references yeah. to it every now but and then. But I mean, before.
1: we also did kind of start an organisation with you guys as well with the scroll recycling programme. <laughs> yes. No, as well. no, no, no. Yeah. So that's that part of our side business.
5: Yeah. And I suppose that's the thing. I mean, when I when I was listening to it the number of times where we have solved problems by just generally being nice to people yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's amazing how well that works
2: yeah it's really it's really great actually so
4: speaking uh, of, oh sorry go ahead i say and in the end it's funny because whether or not intentionally we sort of in, of in the end the idea of uh, Jez ended up on the street very much based on the community mm. whereas Nick ended up as in the government as part of you know Mm-hmm. The head of the KGB or whatever it was—you <laughs> yeah. end up with the extreme versions of this exact thing, you know, yeah. working in the community and as part of the contact of the government, protecting, you know. So yeah, that's that's.
5: What about for Hurst and Izzy, who really didn't come into the thief life at all?
2: Yeah, I would say Izzy and Hurst have the were the least mon- monetarily focused.
0: Yeah, I mean, Hurst basically—he um, was, a, I think, he very much started off as an idealist in that, like. He figured that there are a lot of poor and destitute people in the city and that like they essentially needed t- need attending to like mm. plants yeah um, and money was a means to an end for him like it could get him access to plants that he could grow and then turn into food that he could give to people and this and that and the other like he but he was also okay with taking money from the wealthy mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because he sort of... Like, he didn't trust laws. Like, he was very chaotic good in that... He thought that laws basically existed to let the rich unfairly manipulate them in their advantage.
1: Yeah, so what yeah. What, what? law there is doesn't necessarily equate to morality
0: yeah. or ethics. Yeah, 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 yeah. He didn't think... Yeah, exactly right. Like, he didn't think that law had any kind of ethical standing. So he was... Absolutely fine. Like yeah. as long as <laughs> it was not like you know leaving people destitute. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like it was always it was, like it was just he was always punching up, not yes, down. Definitely. Like definitely. it was never like get as much money as possible. He and he wouldn't have done anything. Like you could just see someone delivering like huge sacks of money to Hearst. Yeah, and him just sort of standing there awkwardly with them, being like. Well, I guess, uh, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, like, awkwardly hand it to somebody else. Just, like, can you just take, <laughs> I don't know. Do stuff with that. What about what about Izzy?
3: Um, yeah, I think with Izzy, money never really
2: entered their mind. Unless they really, could it get was... them more knowledge, you know? Or... Exactly.
3: No, here's, here's the thing about Izzy. Like, and I, I think I kind of wanted to instill this in the character I don't, I don't. know if I did very well in like exhibiting it or anything like that. But it was very much. I wanted Izzy to be kind of like the magic, the magical world version of like Steve Owen.
2: <laughs> Actually, <laughs> and so, yeah, you know, I, I can see that. You yeah, know, very sort of excitable about things. Yeah. and fascinated with all the magical creatures that they encountered. That's it, yeah.
3: because the the how Izzy is different from any other wizard that you might encounter. And I think they still didn't sign up with the Wizards Guild at the end of the campaign. No, that's the funny <laughs> thing. And so... Um, they have the rules. I and mean, Izzy doesn't really believe in those. I, I just assume no, he
5: ran off with Volo anyway.
3: <laughs> yeah, essentially. But, like, like, they... It was basically... They are excited about any weird thing that they encounter
2: yeah, any normal way because it's
3: is. like oh my gosh this is an awesome thing how is that? how are you guys not excited about this
2: that's great <laughs> yeah, you that's, know? That, that, that's, that absolutely tracks it's absolutely
3: like tracks. you get this kind of like visual of like a little gnome gesturing at a huge like <laughs> a and dragon, and a dragon, dragon and it's yeah. like look at this yeah. is this not cool that's amazing <laughs> and it's even better to hear the dragon go oh you're awesome too <laughs> that's right yes fine. actually yeah.
2: yeah what's the elephant? and also uh, your Betty White uh, Wizard Your Creation? Uh, those, yeah. ca- those characters you are know. not but they're not described really. Uh, oh. Xelophon, Xelophon is described as basically just being I guess uh, cheerful and talkative. Mm-hmm. That's about it. And then and so, so <laughs> making her Betty White was definitely was definitely me uh, <laughs> making uh, and yeah, I made some other changes I think. Think so no she she does work with the zenitha and uh, no she's just an old woman she's not, she's not really given much NPC description they often allow you to flesh that stuff out yourself so I just thought oh no <laughs> who's, who's the best old woman Betty White clearly that's that's a that's a no-brainer and obliteros the Shark. that is that is listed in one of the resources that i used which is the expanded faction missions so on the dm's guild one of the one one of the very very good investment things to pick up for this for this adventure is the expanded faction missions because the faction missions in the book there's a few listed but they are given maybe a paragraph like break into a ball I'm Un- unmasked Charles Axel. Thank you and good night. <laughs> it's like wow. Like, <laughs> or no, it's, it's not I'm I'm being a bit I'm being a bit facetious, but it's they're really, really limited. It's like go and talk to a talking horse. Um pick up this message. They found this thing. And so the faction missions really expand them. You know, with the monk and the mountain and the um uh the dragon on the dock going down for a deep sea adventure. I brought Grinda while in on that one, because they, I mean, they're in this similar place, so I thought that they could mix up together and be and be fun. Uh, but yeah, so that's all the expanded stuff. So, not my characters, but, you know, how they were portrayed, I guess, was.
3: And I think, um, yeah, long story short, it was very much more a place of benevolence and circumstance as yes. well. Mm. It would have been a very, it, like, yeah, it's... Um, I couldn't think of any other way mm. <laughs> that um, Lyle and Izzy could have met. <laughs>
5: Well, that's, and that's the trick of it, because uh, normally I play characters as um, straight men, uh, which is mm-hmm. not so much. As, as in, like, a foil to the more um, offbeat characters. So sure. that feel like, on occasion, you need to have someone that you can bounce that off.
2: Yes, that's true.
4: That's and it was, true. Next mm-hmm. time you play the lunatic and I'll play the straight man. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, let's do it. I want to say-
0: you're capable of playing the straight man. <laughs> oh! <laughs> We'll see. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> now,
2: I want to get everyone's favourite moments. All these favourites. Oh, had one. Okay, yeah, I no want one more. And this is, this is a nice time to compliment you, know everyone. So, you know, um, <gasps> anything you really liked about what uh, Izzy Hurst did? Anyone yep. else want
1: to go? I've, I've definitely got one. Excellent. Mostly just because it was discussed recently as well. But I absolutely lost my shit. Watching the interaction between Hurst and the Xanathar. Just oh, like the whole
3: thing, so where it was just like,
1: "Oh yeah, of course you you wouldn't own a person." He's like, "Oh no, I own plenty of people."
2: <laughs> <laughs> just not Sigla. I just the, it was it was so awkward and so uh, yeah that that got a lot of compliments because that that episode just dropped a couple weeks ago and that that, that was just that, the
1: whole fish hu- husbandry conversation. <laughs> and, oh my god, yes. yes. This meanwhile, beautiful.
2: meanwhile in the background, Jez was fucking around in the tank, glowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all so that this,
0: that just, whole the Hurst uh, <laughs> you know, try is trying his best not to tell, like, because he can't. He knows he can't lie. Yeah. It was so much fun to do as a play, just because it's like. <laughs> How can I get through this conversation without making a deception check? <laughs> nice, that was good. I, was,
3: this. I was, was slowly dying.
2: Is he? Is he? What, is he? What, what, do you have a favorite moment you like to oh, show? Oh, the fun A funny bit can be an, an emotional bit, just a, a, a oh. fun bit, a cool bit, anything.
3: I'm gonna say, I have two.
2: Great, please.
3: Anytime, Joe Axel is is, is is saying anything. Oh,
2: nice, thank you.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He's a fun
2: character. He's a very fun character.
3: And I... Oh, and the um, the other bit... It's not exactly a good moment, but just <clears throat> the, 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 the... The fireball.
2: Oh, well. went off
3: the fireball scene.
2: Mm, Basically,
3: and, and just going into the aftermath. And, and, like, we were talking about the fireball scene earlier. Mm. And I think our characters probably would have helped regardless.
2: I yeah, I think so, but, you know.
3: But just seeing Agatha... Oh, you know, in your mind's eye, it's seeing no, Agatha.
2: I get it. I have a very yeah. good imagination. I, I see. I see shit. Yes.
3: And just, um, and just seeing Agatha, Agatha's remains protecting. Oh, who was it?
0: That was one of the kids. Yes, it's a um, deaf child. Nat. 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 Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Nat.
3: And just because I remember like sitting at the table and going, no. Mm. And just that crushing sort of oh. God.
2: <laughs> yeah, was one thing. I, this is
3: oh wow,
2: no. Yeah. There are there are a lot of really dark moments or emotional moments by default, and so I really wanted mm-hmm. to have at least one, have that be, be like the real impetus of like this is not this is where this shit gets real. This is where it all mm-hmm. begins and stuff. And mm-hmm. that's why like a lot of the faction and neighborhood stuff is very optional. It's very it's very lightly handled in the book, yeah. and so a lot of the time. Well, I wanted I want to expand the neighborhood. Make sure that you had like little mini quests with the uh, mm. you know with um, steam and steel. I want you to. Otherwise, to...
1: it's a waste of water, dude. I
2: want to, and because they have all these locations. I wanted you to fall in love with not only the, the, the kids and Agatha but the, the the neighborhood, right? So it's like even if Agatha wasn't killed, uh, no, nah, this is our neighborhood. We gotta you know these people are nice.
3: Yeah, that's right. And and all those all those connections and relationships, that we built with all the people in the neighborhood, made that moment all the more visceral yeah. or more yeah just real
2: I'm, well, I'm, I'm glad it felt so that was, mm-hmm. that, was, that was the intent Nick
3: I'm um, trying to think of like
4: big moments the ones I keep trying to come back to a funny
2: moment that's okay. <laughs> hey, it hey be it can be anything just so a, a there's a,
4: a sub one I did enjoy when Jez and I got caught in the Castle Anderson's house yeah Halfway out the window, and the guards bust in and are like, Ah, no, she's the window guard. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, she's there to stop the
4: kids climbing out the window. Like, Okay, you know what? Oh. Fine. And Rock and I like, critical success it or something. And it's like,
2: Ah, okay. I guess they believe you. <laughs> it was, that whole scene I found really funny. It, it's funny. I'm often, I, I'm I'm often the straight man as far as uh, the humor goes in this. Like it's often you, uh, your characters getting all the funny bits. It's not often I listen back and laugh at something that I did. But the little girl punching her brother in the face and saying, <laughs> "Screaming, give me your blood, coward!" It was yeah. just, for whatever reason, I just, I just thought, no, that was funny.
4: I think overall the funniest ongoing thing though I think was oh, poor old Lyle's. <laughs> Continue. Misadventures, <laughs> being left behind by the Lock Twins, just mm. generally rolling and oh, failing, no. and everyone was like, oh, "I'll show you how an expert
2: does it." And in fact, like,
4: that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you don't want to die, Lyle. Don't lie in the garden with a bunch of of enemies around you and all the rest. I, of you. I was going
2: to say the whole toad scene was. I missed oh, that. No. I was
4: even there for that. No. I yeah, that. So The misadventures of Lyle and everyone blaming him for his own misadventures
2: was definitely. <laughs> and then we started slagging off your
3: god. <laughs> oh my god.
2: Which you know Slagging <laughs> like, <you know>, off The <laughs> goddess of luck Is a really great and idea
3: I am
1: really glad That Lyle Was able to uh, Create Create a beautiful romance With Miss Inkfingers mm-hmm. Though uh, uh, I was, yeah. well, In- That was another
2: NPC I created To yeah. have another uh-huh. To because have
1: for, for the listeners in previous games for <laughs> whatever reason Ben kind of a few times has gotten a romantic interest and for mm. some reason my characters keep fucking it up yes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you little was, snack I didn't, <laughs> <that's laughs>
1: didn't realise that it was like actually something that was happening until it was brought to my attention so I was just oh, like oh no I really want <laughs> I want this to pay off in this game and <laughs> was quite a happy ending no it was,
2: that was really great Mark oh sorry, Nick. I was going to say The
4: quasi-sociopathic attitude That some of the characters <laughs> Have towards him too It's just like,
1: like He has nothing to die
4: Well don't die then Lyle like,
1: like, <laughs> I, I, I did feel pretty bad I know I did
4: too But it's just so That the Locked Twins Are just caught up In their own nonsense And poor old Lyle Like was- genuine complaints And they're like Because they've been Brought up in a criminal thing Where you know And that was that was. A, I don't want
5: to step on uh, uh, Out of turn Because uh, 1st oh, It's got also Something else to talk about That was a trick like, as, <laughs> yeah. it's a podcast format. Yes. And so a lot of that I feel like has to be kind of on mission. I mean, yeah, we'll explore character moments, but invariably it will come back to delivering on something that's uh, fit that episodic kind of format. And so yeah. I'm getting a lot of uh, grief as far as, <laughs> as as far as, you know, being abandoned and left to die and then making light of it and then insulting, <laughs> insulting a god. is like, how... How do I react against that But not derail <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not do what Lyle would actually Would just say Fuck y'all and leave yeah.
5: <laughs> Basically Yeah, yeah I get it. Okay. out um, Halfling <laughs> <laughs> out So yeah uh, Trying to Make his displeasure Known In a way that didn't Necessarily invite Further um, ridicule, ridicule. Yes, exactly that. Trophobrium, uh, animus. Yes, all of those things. <laughs> Other words too. Trying to do that, and I was like incredibly touched. But uh, here yeah, as a player, uh, and also like manifested through uh, Lyle when uh, Jess and Nick
2: set up that romantic uh, yeah. like, a date. That you know, was really beautiful. That was cool. That was, that was a really a really lovely thing. Yeah, I remember you guys came to me about yeah. that and said, "Oh, can we can we do this thing?" Oh, of course
0: you can. That's awesome. <laughs> So you just said the Silver Lock Twins just being like, "Look, we feel bad." <laughs> <laughs> far, the <laughs> least
1: we can do is get him laid.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my That> was, <laughs> I walked on him before he was rocking backwards and forwards. <laughs> that was yeah, one of my, my favourite cool. ongoing jokes. Was like, especially the characters like uh, the Lock Twins and Hurst, who like is not smooth but completely separates romance from sex. Yes, yeah. Watching Lyle and Ink fingers just slowly, like, just being like, "Why aren't you kissing already?" <laughs> oh my
3: god! Yes, the kiss. Kiss.
0: kiss, kiss, kiss. So, first favorite, favorite moment. Uh, I think was, like the, the the little ways that like little running jokes kept popping up. Like <laughs> like, like the toad thing because I think I decided in the episode that it happened that uh Hearst had a bug up his uh bug up his neck about the toad thing. Because Ink Fingers was like, "Oh, you saved me, Lyle," and Lyle's like, "Yes, I <laughs> saved you. He sure just did." Kirsty's <laughs> off in the background, just being like, "He was dying." <laughs> and then he decided to
5: make him, try and make him more dead. <laughs>
0: Uh, they tried to make you more dead. You were already dying, and Hurst just needed to get the toe out of the thing. <laughs> it just happened that Wall of force does push back damage as well. You were fine. You had something pushing your fall. <laughs> That's great. Any any uh, other highlights? Yes, go for
2: it. You want to finish your thing? And then
0: I'll do yeah, the thing? I was gonna say that, like another one of the, like the running like little things that just popped up was like. Uh-huh. Uh, Jez's complete inability to roll for seduction. <laughs> yes. oh the castle, the castle Oh god. That's right. <laughs> so oh, fail. I think
1: I think it's really good because in this situation like <laughs> she she just she just reflects me in this way that she's just really fucking bad with women. <laughs> 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 With, um, uh, with what's his face Jill with, Axel. with yeah. Jarl Axel, but it was just, just fucking <laughs> no. terrible with women never ended up following up on the hot pirate or anything like
2: that she's no. just yeah.
1: useless bisexual represent <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I followed up
0: with the hot pirate so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. she got one of the locks <laughs> it's got that real disaster game kind of thing like you're trying to be smooth yeah. all of a sudden you're just putting your elbow in the soup and just like <laughs> let me pour you a bottle of wine splash yeah. break a
5: finger or just look at it in this case that, that was the Question that oh. I was going to ask and forgot. Yes. Uh, so uh, Lady Castellanta, uh made <laughs> an invitation to Jazz uh, for something later that we didn't end up getting to because you know uh, sacrifice and then the war. Uh, she... But it was quite clear that there was malevolent intent involved. What was uh, what was that going to be?
2: Oh, she was straight up going to kill you. Yeah. So she she was going to she was going to uh, essentially test the. Midnight's Tears mm-hmm. on you. She's gonna give you a version of it that would take effect pretty much immediately. So it just, not at all? No, so so basically just to make sure, because it's so important, that the real poison would work. It's fine, she ends up doing it on a chain of maiden instead. It's fine. Oh, great. Uh. There by full the grace of are though. Indeed, indeed so, yes. <laughs> all right,
5: and I had one, I had my uh, favorite bit. Which
2: yep. Uh,
5: Loved, you know, loved that thing, but um, the one that came back to me and I had the pleasure of listening to it fairly recently, when we're in the um, the afternoon tea con- lunch conversation with the Castle Lanters and Nick Locke just basically tumbles the whole... No, bloody uh, plot that they had regarding their kids oh. in this show moment of being able to put all the clues together and then just recount the plot straight for them That's right. and all of us were just agape and, then we, and, and we checked it was like how much of this is meta knowledge he? he's like no it's not it was just like all of them were just clues that had been placed in game that Nick Lock Put together, and because you had the uh, investigator um, archetype for your rogue, yeah. it made oh, yeah. perfect sense. Yes, th- just to have this, you know, this straight-up Conan Doyle moment. <laughs> That's right. Where you tumbled I'm glad you've all joined me
2: here today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my
5: god! No, it was a it was a genuine piece of clever that left me both in and out of character. Flawed.
2: No, it was great. It was very good, actually. I remember listening to that recently. There's just so many many things that I liked about what everyone did. I just think that just as a general thing, you all just had the perfect balance of really being in character and taking it seriously, but also having the occasional meta commentary that just cracked me up so hard. But, um, yeah. Anything you didn't like? Let's finish on a negative. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> no, any any hearing right, of
0: grievances. Any <laughs> so don't feel bad.
2: We now begin. any 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 criticisms of, not necessarily of myself or it oh, can be, but like the module itself or the way it's done, either either I think the, the twin each. thing was I would have been better off without a twin, I think just
5: <laughs> 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 should... pulled too much focus from you.
1: <laughs> I think um Definitely the big cast of people with all of the the names and everything like that is is always tricky to follow like I I need to become more of a note-taker to start Really being able to remember who everybody is and who their names are all the time It just happens with every campaign and it's not this Mm -hmm. campaign or how it was designed or how you ran it at mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. it's just sometimes hard to do as a player.
2: I had two pieces of... So as much as we've had a lot of really, really great listener feedback and it's all been really, really positive, which is lovely. Um, I but I, I, as I always ask on all of our things, you know, Facebook, Discord, you know, any constructive criticism, please, you know, I love it. Uh, the two pieces of constructive criticism that I have had, which I agree with both, uh, one was that Exactly as you're saying, particularly the first, it takes a couple of episodes for you to get who everyone yeah. is. Next time, for our next campaigns, we need to have a little episode zero yeah. where we just introduce Yay. each of you and the character you're playing in some detail. Kind of like the way we do, you know, at the beginning of the game, at really briefly, uh-huh. but just really be like, okay, this is Ben. Ben is playing Blah, and mm-hmm. this, this is the situation with Blah, and also maybe in a game like this where you start off with a big cast of people you're friends with and whatever I as the GM can just be like hey here's a quick little who's who there's Yagra and there's such and such and there's Dun and you know all that sort of thing um, they said they found, it, they found it a bit hard to follow three people did actually did it mm-hmm. a bit hard to follow at first but after two or three episodes it was like okay no that's fine we got it yeah. This is where you could do what you did with Tomb of Annihilation. Mm-hmm. And in the first episode,
4: we had each of our characters in wherever they were, a vignette of who they are, what they're doing prior to it, Yeah, yeah. before, they, in this case, they ha- they got summoned by a missive. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really good way, because even it fixed in my mind exactly who's everyone's characters were and what they looked like and
2: what their jam was. And because I stole yes. that, I stole that directly from Dusk City Outlaws, mm-hmm. the beautiful RPG about mm-hmm. emulating heists. It actually would have made a lot of sense to do it for this one, but, you know, that's in retrospect and so forth. Um, right. um, that's yeah. that's the other thing that I will say, um, the other bit of criticism I got was that, and very fair too, mm-hmm. is that the, the ultimate exposition so, your actual reveal of the actual fucking plot of what's actually going on, like what people are chasing, yeah. came in really late and came in all at once from Grinda. So, Grinda was the one who actually yeah, told you. She, to she was like which is fair because she knows everything because a lot of people did. Um, yeah. Now, that's on me because I thought that you would all. And as much as you pursued all these side quests and stuff, I thought that you would pursue more information about what the actual sort of hunt was for, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that maybe you'd capture a yeah. zant somewhere, like the one the one in the halfling house, yeah. and just, you know, not not torture her or, or whatever, yeah. but just interrogate and be like, Oi, what, what is the deal here? What are yeah. you actually all... What is all this about? And that never came. Uh, At no point did that happen. Yeah. And so I was in, in a situation where, by that point, I'm like, no, you actually really need to find out what... The, you've got the stone, you have one of the eyes, you need to find out what this is now. Um and I think that's
5: where it, uh, it came back to the question I was asking the group, if we were mercantile or benevolent. Because yeah. a number of times we were motivated by a sense of trying to right a wrong, mm. more so than we were looking to score a profit.
1: Yeah. Get yeah I think we figured we could do both is the yeah. thing. Is it, could we have gone about things in a different way and have scored more money? Yes. However, this was a more long-term situation of, well, you still got to live here afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So may as well ingratiate yourself with the people that are around you. Still make some money.
2: One not thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
4: I say not a flaw in the storytelling at all. Mm-hmm. Our characters and us as players got caught up in righting yes. wrongs, chasing after people we cared about, and forgetting about the larger story arc because I guess intuitively as players we know that's going to wait for us. Yes.
2: Whereas, you know, I agree.
3: And, and we really got into running the tavern.
2: Yeah. Which, which everyone, which everyone does. Just really, really quick. Um, the, the whole grinder thing, that, that the reason that she was on the to give an exposition is one of the precepts of the Alexandrian remix is that you are supposed to find lots and lots of bound... Huh, found footage like documents like oh. letters missives things like that between various characters that you defeat that are talking about this this oh. you know great game and what's yeah. going on basically the problem is it doesn't work for a podcast because it's like a lot of really great cool Cthulhu scenarios which have a lot of player handouts and maps and long letters yeah it's it just does not work for a podcast format to be giving you all these really sort of handout stuff and have you just sort of sitting there silently pouring it over or, or reading, it. reading out the whole letter or you yes. know it would works better it works great for a campaign if i was running it off a podcast i would have so much of that stuff worked out any gms that are running it for not a podcast i recommend you use all the alexandrians resources of letters and missives and have people find that to clue them in on what's going on before the big info dump so that is all we have time for today. Uh, oh. I want to thank each and every one of you so much for this. This has been oh. a great campaign to start with. Honestly, this You've is one been of the- a
0: great campaign to start with. <laughs> oh my god!
2: <laughs> this has been one of my favorite campaigns of all time. Uh, and I just, yeah, thank you. Thank you everyone. Thank you so much everyone for <laughs> listening. So anyone who has listened to us for more than an episode, uh, why? Yeah. But, um, no. Yeah. For real, bro. It's no, it, it's really, really great. All the, you. all the support's been wonderful. You yeah. know, um, yeah you know click click like subscribe Um, (laughs)
0: smash that share button give us a
2: give us a review spread the word etc etc and more importantly uh stay tuned for all the adventures to come thank you so much catch you
1: later Bye. bye thanks for listening to shared sagas all music on the show is used under creative commons check the episode notes for full details